What's going on, everybody? This is Adrian Lawson, and welcome to episode 18 of the Lawson Podcast. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about, um, you know, all the crazy stuff going on, the January 6th uh, riot at the Capitol that I'm sure all of you know about by now. It was like 20 days ago, and it's been headline news for probably uh, every day since it happened. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about that. I want to talk about, you know, who's to blame, who's to blame for political violence in general, how to cause it, how to prevent it. And uh, before that, I'll give a brief update about why I've been gone for so long. Um, And without further explanation, let's just jump into it. So before we jump in a little bit about why I've been gone for so long, um, I think the last episode I did was like this probably November of last year, I think. Uh, So basically what happened is, look, I'm a student finals came around it got crazy and then I did have a bit of a winter break but I still kept busy with some uh, online classes and doing some personal projects so that I have a better chance of getting employed once I graduate Um, so that's kind of what's been going on nothing crazy happened in my personal life or anything like that it's just you know life happens Um, so yeah let's just jump into what's been going on Um, You know, another reason why I didn't really want to make a podcast is because everybody's already talked about everything. As soon as something happens, you know, everybody uploads a podcast about it, uploads a YouTube video about it, and everything is basically said. There's nothing new to add, really. And that's why I'm I'm usually really hesitant to make episodes about current event stuff, because I don't want to just be another talking head echoing stuff that you've already heard. Um, cause I know when I hear that stuff, I feel like it's a huge waste of my time and, uh, it's a little insulting, you know, like you think I'm going to take the time out of my day, whatever I'm doing and listen to you repeat this thing that I've heard said already a bunch of times. I'm not really interested in that. So, um, I don't want to do that to people. I don't want people to, to do that to me. And that's why I kind of hesitate to make episodes sometimes depending on the topic. But anyways, I feel like I have something interesting to add to this uh, issue. So January 6th, Trump has a rally outside of the Capitol, uh, talks, you know, there's a bunch of speakers. There's a lot of, uh, hyper, hyper tense, if that's a word, uh, rhetoric about we need to fight like hell and trial by combat and all these crazy things that people are saying. And then immediately after people, walk up to the Capitol, which Trump said to go protest peacefully outside the Capitol. He did say peacefully, I'll give him that. Um, And uh, and then it didn't stay peaceful. Um, People broke into the Capitol, started beating up police officers. Um, I mean, everybody knows what happens. I don't need to recap the whole thing, but it got ugly. People died. And uh, the senators who were in session, along with the vice president at the time, Mike Pence, had to be taken out, evacuated, and had to shelter in place in a secure part of the Capitol building. Crazy stuff. Uh, it was called a siege, a insurrection. Um, I was watching, a, I think it was on Sky News or BBC News, I forgot which one, but they called it Trump's Last Stand. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously crazy. Obviously, everybody blamed Trump immediately after, and... Um, it's hard to not agree with them. Uh, Trump is pretty clearly to blame for what happened that day. But there is a caveat with that. 
uh, in the sense that I don't think Trump incited the violence directly. Like he didn't say, go over there, break into the Capitol, threaten people's lives, beat up some police officers. And that's usually what incitement is, right? You, when someone is charged with incitement to violence, they're charged with directly calling for an act of violence. So they're they're charged with saying, you guys go do this violent act to those people right now. And that's that's inciting violence. Trump didn't say anything that specific. He just said, we got to fight like hell, which is something politicians say. People, you know, we've heard this kind of rhetoric in politics before. Um, we've heard it from the left and the right. We've heard it from, uh, uh, I mean, we've heard stuff like from Bernie Sanders saying that the rich are trying to take your health care. The, the Republicans are trying to take your health care. The billionaires are trying to take your health care or keep you, you know, basically trying to kill you. <laughs> Uh, we, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, crazy rhetoric that goes on in politics, whether on the left or the right. And, um, that is what I think Trump is guilty of. And because of that, I think he's guilty of indirectly inciting the violence that happened that day. So, you know, some on the right that listen to this might say Trump's not to blame, uh, whatever. And some on the left might say Trump is to blame to a higher degree than I'm claiming, like, like they might claim he directly incited the violence, but I wouldn't go that far. It's I don't think in a court of law that would stand up. So, yes, Trump is to blame. You know, I've seen some YouTubers, um, like Sargon of Akkad. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he's a British YouTuber. He leans right. He was um, strong in favor of Brexit. Um, I think he was part of some political party over there. I don't really know what's going on in Britain, man. I don't care, um, <laughs> but I know he's like a right-leaning YouTuber, and he really, really played down what happened that day. He was saying, like, this wasn't an insurrection. These people were in there taking pictures. They look like tourists. You know, they're just there having a good time. Um, you know, they weren't there to be violent or anything like that, and it's really, I, I mean, you could see some people there that were just in shock that they were in the Capitol and they were just taking pictures and didn't really want to hurt anybody. And they were just kind of having a good time and just thinking like, wow, this is a crazy thing that's happening right now. Uh, but there definitely were some people there that were beating up cops. Um, groups of the rioters were just grabbing cops and beating them up. Uh, I'm sure you've seen uh, the video that's really hard to watch of that cop slammed in between the doorways. Um, you know, it wasn't all, sunshine and I think to try to play it down like that really makes you look like you're dishonest and makes people not want to listen to you at least and makes me not want to listen to you <laughs> so uh there's there's been a lot of that and it's really annoying to try to to hear people like play it down when it was clearly a big deal clearly not something to take lightly um but yeah so the the thing I want to point out is that the same way that Trump is responsible for what happened that day. Uh, in that same way, the, you know, some figures on the left are responsible for the protests and riots and uh, to some degree, the deaths that happened after the George Floyd, um, after George Floyd's death at the hands of the police. Um, obviously, what happened to George Floyd, terrible. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody was saying that the cop acted correctly in that case, left or right. Nobody was saying that the cops were completely faultless. So that's something we can all agree about. But then you have this, 
like message that starts to go out that the system is rigged against black people. The system is start to finish against black people from top to bottom. There is no working within the system because the system is against you. The police are against you. The judicial system is against you. The educational system is against you. The economic system is against you. Um, the government structure is against you. The constitution is against you. Like, There's this message, message that goes out. Um, I'm not going to like name names about who sent this message out there, but it's a lot of figures that talk about institutional racism. And what what that means when you say institutional racism is that the entire system, if you're of a certain race, the entire system is working against you. And how can you work within a system that is inherently working against you? First of all, if the system's working against you, you're not going to get into the system and you're not going to be able to have the power within that system to change it. So in the case of institutional racism, if if that is true for the sake of argument, let's assume it's true, then, uh, which I don't think is true, by the way, <laughs> I think, you know, data tends to disprove a lot of these claims about institutional racism when it comes to policing and um, and the judicial system and all that. But anyways, accepting it for the sake of argument, here's a system that if you're a certain color, it wants to destroy you, this system. And you can't go to the police to solve it. You can't go to the courts to solve it. You can't even go to the Constitution to solve it because the Constitution is racist. So what is your resort? Your resort? What is your recourse in that case? It would have to be violence, right? If there's no way to secure your rights or your, uh, your life even, your protection within a system, then your only way out is to violently reject the system and to violently attack um, the, the components that hold that system up. That is the only thing you can do. And so when people are talking about institu- institutional racism and then they see these Black Lives Matter riots, uh, that is the natural... That's the natural progression of this ideology is that, okay, since we can't work within the system, we have to overthrow it, which requires violence. Um, You know, whether that's the system entirely, as in the entire government and economic system of the United States, or if it's the policing system, then, you know, or some other smaller component of it, then violence really is the only way if none of the legal means are going to serve you in that area. In the same way, if the election was stolen from Trump, the, you know, some votes were illegally counted or votes were illegally um, not counted. And we, he went through the judicial system, you know, there was all those lawsuits, he went to the Supreme Court, I think even, and all of that, nothing happened. The court said, nah, this is nonsense. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to entertain these ideas then really what happened is your democracy was taken from you. There's a president that is now in power that was not elected by the people. So there's a person who just stole the presidency and the judicial system can't help you. They're against you. Um, The Senate is against you. The vice president at the time, Mike Pence, is against you. Um, If these things are true, 
then violence is the only recourse. You can't go to the, I mean, what are the police going to do? They're, they don't really handle judicial, or I mean, they don't really handle election fraud or election crimes. That's got to go to the courts and the courts are against you. So that's one level you can't go to. Um, Congress is against you and and they allowed it to happen according to Trump. So that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, you can't go to the presidency because the the president is someone who, in in Trump's mind, stole the presidency, which I think is nonsense. Um, so the only recourse then would be violence, would be to overthrow these things that are, um, that are, continuing this injustice of stealing the presidency, you know, stealing democracy, really destroying democracy. That's something that you know. When when the Amer the founders of America decided that it was time to go to war, it was because they couldn't work through the legal system. There was a king in Britain who, you know, there's there's no there's no like recourse other than we have to just fight for our right to be our own thing and separate, and that's gonna take violence. Um and so that's what they did because there was no legal recourse for them. There was a king, there's a monarchy. There was no like police they could go to that would that would help them fight for their rights or anything like that because everyone was loyal to the king. So the whole system was loyal to the king. So if the king didn't want it to happen, it wasn't gonna happen. So the only recourse at that point was violence. And in the same way, if the entire system is against you, whether you're a Trump supporter who thinks that the election was stolen and the entire legal system of the United States has failed you because it's corrupt. Or if you're a uh, subscriber to the Black Lives Matter ideology that the entire system is against black people and there's no there's no recourse within the legal means to um, make things right because the entire system is corrupt and against you, then in both of those cases, your only recourse, your last resort is violence. And so this is the type of rhetoric that that starts violence. Obviously, I hope it's clear that I'm not saying people should go commit violence. I'm saying these messages are wrong and these messages put it in people's minds that the only recourse is violence. And that's why these messages need to stop because if they were true, then violence may be justified. Honestly, I don't believe it would be justified, even if these things were true. I think, uh, I mean, like we have to get into a lot of, a lot of uh, Christian theology and stuff like that to get my idea on this. But um, basically what I'm saying is even if these things were true, I wouldn't be in favor of violence. Um, but I, I would be in favor of peaceful um peaceful disobedience, you know, I guess it'd be like the Gandhi way of doing things. Just disobey, but don't be violent. Just like do what they don't want you to do. But when they attack you, just don't, don't retaliate at all. That would be my preferred uh, way of doing things if these things were true. However, since these things aren't true, and since, since propagating these messages put it in people's heads that uh, violence is the only way to move forward and towards justice, then probably these messages need to stop. <laughs> People need to chill out. All right. Um, the election was not stolen. If the entire judicial system has thrown out these lawsuits 
then it's probably safe to say, unless you can find some specific uh, instance of injustice or corruption, then you can't just throw out the whole judicial system because it didn't come out to your liking. Um, in the same way, if you talk about systemic racism, if you can find one, you know, f- point out the specific instances of, of racism, whether it's, you know, an, an officer that unjustly kills a black man or a judge that unjustly sentences a black man, we can point those out specifically and we can all join in that cause to fight against that uh, through peaceful means, I would say. <laughs> um but all this talk about the entire system being against you, first of all, there's no way to prove it. If you talk to a Trump supporter um, and ask them, okay, well, why did this judge rule against these things? Uh, why did they rule against Trump if this is in fact the truth? What, what is this judge's intentions? And if you can't point to anything with that judge, then let's go on to the next judge. Why did this judge throw it out? You don't know why. You you have no reason to think that they were acting in uh, a corrupt manner. Okay, let's move on to the next judge. Uh, you can't point anything out there. Well, it's starting to look like this isn't a systemic issue. It just looks like this didn't go your way, and this is your way of explaining it to yourself. Um, in the same way, I know I'm repeating myself a lot, but this is important. In the same way, if you're a Black Lives Matter proponent, okay, you think um, the system is against... Uh, black people, okay, here's a case of a black person being killed by the police. Um, were the police justified in using lethal force? Were they not? What would be their reasoning for using lethal force? And is that a justified reasoning? If it is justified, let's move on to the next one. And then take it from there step by step. Um, that's how you have to do it. This has to be a case-by-case thing. Because once you start throwing out the entire system, it's a lot like throwing out like well, this entire group of people, this entire race of people or religion of people, because I've had these a couple of bad interactions. Um, and that leads to obviously violence, prejudice, um, and nothing productive. And it does not lead to justice. It just leads to what we saw over the summer of last year, which was a lot of death, um, a lot of property damage, I think it was like millions or maybe even billions of dollars in property damage. Small businesses that had to close because of the property damage, a lot of them black-owned as well. Um, and, you know, nothing came of it. It wasn't like now now uh, everybody thinks black people are fine and the system is no longer against black people. No, everyone's still mad. Um, everyone still thinks the system's against black people. So nothing was really solved through all of that violence. Um But what does solve things is, like I said, pointing out specific instances, building a cause around it, and uh, solving that specific instance. You have to have a specific goal in mind as well. That's like the next thing that you need to prevent violence. Have a specific goal in mind. Once that goal is fulfilled, you drop the cause. Or you find other similar causes and fulfill those specific goals. Because if there is no specific defined goal in a political cause, then things just go more and more extreme because maybe the people that originally started in the cause had a specific goal in mind, then they, um, you know, fulfill that purpose, they get the thing done, everything is okay now, 
at least in that area of life. And uh, they're out of their cause now. They're, they came to do what they had to do, and now they're good. And then you have other people that stick around because they got nothing better to do. And they think, well, what are we going to do next? <laughs> and it just never ends. And they find the next thing. Usually it's like smaller and smaller things, but they try to blow it up into these big proportions. And um, it just gets out of hand. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. That was a lot. I think I just, like, word vomited out all of that. It's kind of a, it's like a rant I've been having in my head recently. But, um, yeah, these are, like, the things I see that are contributing to heightened tensions. So I guess the next question is if these messages are dangerous and bring people to violence and they're not true, then why are they pushed so frequently in the media? Why is like, why is the, the systemic racism charge so popular among literally everybody? Um, I mean, even on LinkedIn, people are like talking about systemic racism and it's big people like Melinda Gates, Bill Gates. Um, and then on the other side you have, if you're, if you're familiar with like any Republicans, there's probably at least uh, half of them who think that everything is rigged against Republicans and uh, Republicans are shut out of the media and so, shut out of social media and uh, all this stuff. Um, why are these messages so popular? Well, first of all, they encourage engagement. You know, if you're watching, let's say, uh, I don't know, some YouTuber and they're telling you, look, man, everything is rigged against us, everything is rigged against this group of people, and we need to fight against it, um, all this stuff, you're going to be a lot more engaged in that content than if you're listening to somebody who's like, you know, there was one instance, here's all the nuance about it, um, you know, th this looks like it was a case of uh, unfairness, injustice, and uh, this is what we should do about it. Uh, if if that's the case, that's a lot less interesting, and a lot of times it involves people actually putting in some of their own effort rather than just watching and getting angry. They have to like donate to something or sign a petition, which is also very easy to do, or uh, I don't know, do something <laughs> uh, because it's specific. You know, if it's not specific, you can sit there and be angry about it all day long and not have to do anything, but, um, it keeps your mind occupied and it's actually attractive to a lot of people <laughs> to be in that state, which I don't understand. Um, so there's that, you're not going to watch somebody who's like, you know, actually there are some cases of injustice in this country, but most of the time everything works out, uh, because that person is going to get less views on YouTube or they're going to get less clicks on Twitter because they're not driving a panic and they're not making, their message as urgent. You know what I'm saying? They're like, uh, um, there's not an urgency there. It's just, everything's fine. This one thing happened that was wrong and we can make it right if we work within the system. And, uh, this is how we're going to do that. It's, it's a lot less urgent. So, uh, it drives engagement. It drives clicks. It drives views. People are going to comment and get more, uh, you know, that, that person's video is going to get more exposure on the algorithms, stuff like that. Um, another thing, it drives people to vote, which is why politicians would want to push these things. If you're somebody who is trying to get votes and you say, 
you know, everything is basically fine. There's just a couple of things we need to fix. Like, uh, uh, let's say if you're a Republican, you say everything's pretty much fine. Um, we just need to, you know, cut spending a little bit or a lot. Uh, we need to cut some taxes and um, just make sure that our country is fiscally responsible. No one's no one's voting for you, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but on the other hand, if you say uh, in in like, I guess, Trump's way of of driving votes, if you say everything is against you, they're not coming for me, they're coming for you or they're coming for me because uh, I'm standing between them and you, which is a popular message he likes to push out. Um, and, you know, if, if I lose, then who knows what's going to happen? This thing is going to crumble. I'm the only thing holding this place up. Like, democracy is at stake. All of this stuff, you know, we've all heard this, these extreme um, messages. Or if you're on, uh, let's say, if if you're listening to Joe Biden, he says, like, Trump is a fascist who, I don't think he's ever called Trump a fascist, to be fair. Uh, but Trump is incompetent, and he's an authoritarian, and he's trying to take power, and he's, like, enslaving Mexicans, and he's dropping the ball on coronavirus and all these people have died because of him then those two messages are much more urgent than like everything's basically fine i just want to fix these couple things very specific um so those two like hyperbolic messages are going to drive a lot more votes because oh man if if trump doesn't win democracy's over and they're going to come after all of us and uh you know anybody who's ever posted hashtag MAGA is going to die and all this stuff. Or if you're uh, a Biden voter, then, oh man, we got to vote for Biden because, you know, Trump is trying to like, trying to enslave uh, illegal immigrants and he's, he's, you know, anti-trans and he's like dropping the ball on Corona. So we're all going to die from coronavirus if uh, Trump isn't taken out or he's an authoritarian. So we're all going to lose our democracy if Trump isn't out of office um, yeah, those two senses of urgency are much more likely to get you to the polls and much more likely to, uh, attract and maintain your eyeballs, um, or your ear holes, depending on what sort of, uh, media you're consuming. So, um, those are the reasons that these messages are pushed so aggressively and so prominently. And it's not really based on truth. It's based on what's going to get you to vote for me or what's going to get you to watch my video or read my blog or retweet my tweet or whatever nonsense is going on. And we need to recognize that. Like we need to know this person is in a position where literally he's giving a campaign speech or something. So everything he says right now is to get me to vote for him. Therefore I should take everything he says with kind of a grain of salt and go and do my own research and see like, all right, is Joe Biden really going to, hand over America to China or is he just gonna like probably be a little more lax on foreign policy than Trump was um now I think Joe Biden I am worried about Joe Biden in China so that's might be a might be a bad example for me to bring up but um I don't think he's gonna hand over America to China or anything like that or is is Joe Biden gonna enact socialism uh or is he just gonna enact like some socialist policies that we don't like that the next president is gonna reverse anyways or that Congress is going to somehow block, hopefully, or something. Um, we really need to weigh these things. Or if somebody's on YouTube, all right, is the world really ending? And and 
Biden's going to kill us all or is this guy just getting some views and this is how he does it, you know? Um, so I think definitely recognizing that people don't always have the intention to tell the truth. People sometimes have their own intentions to get your votes or your clicks or your views. Um, and, you know, weigh our response to that and not just take everything they say as, uh, as biblical truth, I guess you could say. So then assuming everything I'm saying is correct, what do we do then? Like, what is, how do we work against this like hyperbolic speech that's causing all this chaos? Well, I think first we need to recognize that there are grains of truth to both of these extreme hyperbolic, uh, I guess you could say ideologies. Um, for one, look, it's not like uh, um, African-Americans or people of African-American descent in America are um, statistically like in the best position. You know, there there are economic inequalities, there are educational inequalities there's even health inequalities, like all this stuff. And, you know, whether or not it's caused by some evil system of white supremacists, maybe we can do something to help that, you know, that would be good. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, another thing that's also true is that a lot of it is rooted in like the history of this country where people were slaves. Um, Now I know that what happened 200 years ago doesn't affect like your economic decisions today, but it can set a cycle in motion that traps people and it's hard to get out of. Um, you know, my, uh, well, (laughs) I don't know how personal I want to get, but there's people in my family who have had, um, cycles of poverty throughout their life. And eventually they, they got out of it, you know, maybe they were drug addicts, they got off the drugs, they got a decent job, and they raised a family, and their children are now doing pretty dang good, and their children look like they're not going to be poor. (laughs) Um, So there are ways out of it, and uh, a lot of that has to do with opportunities, though, and maybe there's not a lot of opportunities in some African-American areas, uh, or some high-crime areas, because Um, businesses don't want to invest in those areas, don't want to hire people in those areas. Maybe people's bad decisions as they're growing up causes them to have a a, um, criminal record and so it's harder to find a job. All these things come into play and we should recognize that. And um, in the same way, we should recognize on the other side that, look, there are instances of social media or um, and also just media in general discriminating against Republicans. You can... Ask anybody who is a conservative who used to work in Hollywood. They were definitely, like, not picked for roles because of their political views. And they were, um, what, like, you know, excommunicated from certain circles because of their political views. Or told to just keep their political views to themselves because uh, some people didn't want to be associated with somebody like that before their career gets ruined as well. Um, so there's definitely stuff like that. If also, if you look at, um, social media stuff, there are instances of conservatives being banned from like Twitter, for example, where it's clear, like this doesn't make any sense. Um, also, if you look at parlor, what happened to parlor, they were kicked off of, um, the Apple app store, the Google app store, and they were kicked off of Amazon servers because they were accused of, 
um, having a lot of people on their platform that planned the January 6th riot at the Capitol, and they didn't do anything to stop it. Well, it turns out that actually a majority of the planning happened on Facebook and Twitter, and Amazon or whoever holds their servers didn't kick them off, uh, and they are still on the app stores. Um, and so it's clear in that case, because there's like direct comparisons that we can make, that Parler was kicked off because it is a platform that's mainly for conservatives. So, um, you know, we need to recognize that on both sides there is there are grains of truth and we can all unite around these grains of truth. Like if, if somebody says, look, why don't we, uh, why don't we hold these companies responsible and make sure they're treating everybody equally, uh, regardless of their political beliefs, because it might be your political beliefs that are unpopular and it might be somebody who disagrees with you, who has a company that's very powerful and they kick you off of their platform. We don't want that. So let's all just, you know, make sure these companies are behaving equally. On the other side, you could say, look, why don't we try to do something to uh, increase the quality of education in majority black neighborhoods or uh, increase certain programs or uh, like Trump's Opportunity Zone, stuff like that. We don't have to talk about like, well, you know, Amazon is just far left and they hate Republicans. So that's why they kicked off Parler or America is a racist country. And that's why black people are having such a hard time. Look, let's just not even get into what's causing these things. Let's just say, look, these are problems. You can't you can't argue with data. So if you point out, you know, problems that black people are having or inequalities that they're facing, then, you know, it's undeniable. So you say, regardless of what the cause is, what is our responsibility? What is the government's responsibility to play some role in fixing this? And we can move forward from that point. We don't have to get fall backwards into what caused all this? We can just look forward and say, what is a good solution to this? Um, I know there'd probably be a lot of disagreement about what the role of government is in this because the government shouldn't be ensuring equal outcomes. It should be ensuring equal opportunity Um, because as soon as you are pushing for equal outcomes, you're pushing for some inequality along the way. For example, if you're pushing for equal outcomes in employment numbers, and that means um, choosing some people because of their race and rejecting some people because of their race. And that's obviously something we shouldn't want. <laughs> um, that's that's how you cause these problems, these inequality problems, not how you fix them. So anyways, we could talk about all that, you know, what's the best way to do this? But the wrong way to go about it is to yell at each other and say you're a white supremacist who's trying to hold up this white supremacist system or you don't agree with my solution because you hate black people, or you don't agree with my solution because you hate white people, or you hate Republicans, or whatever. Um, That's just not how we're supposed to do this. (laughs) Um, We can all agree that the problems exist. We can all talk about what the solutions can be. And I think that's a great way to move forward in unity. Uh, If we can all unite over these very simple facts, and the fact that we want these things to change, and then we can work towards unifying around a common solution to these things, which involves compromise on both sides, which is fine, then, you know, we'll all be in this together, we'll all be united, we'll all be working towards the same things, and that's what it's all about. If everybody has the same goal, then everybody's united. If everybody has the same 
solution in mind or similar solutions in mind, then everyone's united. And we can get back to being the United States of America where we're not trying to kill each other because somebody wore the wrong hat or somebody posted a black square or some nonsense. Um, so yeah, that's really all I have to say today. I hope that ended on a somewhat positive note. <laughs> I know this was kind of just a rant, but, um, these are things that I've been thinking about. I did actually write out like a plan for this episode and I think I followed it pretty well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I hope, I hope this, I mean, for the 20 people that listen to this, I hope this gives you some kind of value. It gives you some kind of perspective about what we should be trying to achieve. Uh, it's a lot less important to be right about what caused something than it is to be in agreement about how to solve it. And uh, I think as long as we keep that in mind, we will be um, moving in the right direction as a country. So that's really all I have to say. I have more episodes in the making, so be ready for that. Um, either by this Friday or maybe next week, in the middle of next week, maybe. So, um, yeah, if you enjoyed this, then give it a like, give it a share, give it a good rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, and consider subscribing for more. I typically talk about um, religion. Maybe I'll, I usually talk about like Christianity, religion, theology. Uh, rebutting atheist arguments, stuff like that. I occasionally get into politics because, you know, it's just too big of an area to ignore. And I have a lot of thoughts on it. Hopefully these thoughts are like productive and not something you've already heard. <laughs> um, so if that sounds like something you're into, if that sounds like a good time, then subscribe, listen to the f upcoming episodes. And uh, that's all I have. So God bless, have a great one, and I'll see you later.